Welcome to the session, a basketball podcast. I'm your host, Omar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben. How's it going, Ben? Good, man. Good. Today, we do have quite a bit of quite a bit of things to talk about. It's been a very crazy, uh, a crazy time within the uh, within the NBA bubble. And you know what? I say we just go straight into it because the finals have taken place. The Los Angeles Lakers are your 2020 NBA champions, and there we rightfully go. so. There they we won go. a game. They won in six games against the Miami Heat. Um, I figure we just start with that, man. Where were you? How did you find the game? What did you think? Tell us. Tell us everything. So I watched this game at home uh, with my with my uh, brother and uh, my sister and my sister in law, and it was it was a great experience. It wasn't a great game. I'll give you that uh, for those of you that didn't watch. You know, essentially a thirty point lead secured by the end of the second and maintained not the a remainder good game. of the game. Uh, a couple slip ups here and there, but I don't think it dipped below like 17 at any point. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, just just up stomping at the end of it. Um, but it was it was great. We we watched it after, you know, our Thanksgiving dinner, settled down all full, just relaxing on the couch, watching Braun get us get us a uh, fourth ring. And it was a great experience. It felt very cathartic where like, you know, all of this bubble basketball had led up to this moment. And I know for some people that the same thrill wasn't there. But for me, you know, as a, as a fan of the sport, it just felt great. You know, it felt great. This is what I live for watching those championship interviews, watching, watching all the, the champagne tossing in the, in the, in the locker room. And uh, as a LeBron fan, watching him get his fourth. And I know we're going to, dive into that whole whole piece of it but it was great you know it was great and it honestly makes me sad that it's over i when the game was done you know i uh i i, I came up and i really i opened up my laptop or whatever and i realized i had like a stream open for the game a, a very legal uh a stream for the game open and uh i closed the tab and I, it kind of hit me i'm like i'm not gonna open a basketball stream until like january or february now and that hurt like that. That's when it realized where it's like, damn, this is this is gone. But I don't know not to get too into next steps. You tell me about it. You know, how was how was the finals for you? How was this last game for you? So I had watched it uh, similarly to you with my family at home. And, uh, you know, like because my my parents are diehard Toronto Raptor fans, they can't stand LeBron. They I mean, they were there for the whole LeBron thing. So. It even pains me to even say that LeBron to was such an embarrassing thing. Um, but, uh, you know, that also reminds me of the of, of another podcast. But we'll get into that. Let, yeah. let me just try to stay focused. Um, I'll talk about game six. It was a pub stop. Like, as you uh, as you said, it was it was completely it was complete destruction. Uh, they were they were winning the entire time. It was just the Miami Heat looked tired. Uh, they looked insanely tired. Um, Jimmy Butler kind of went back to his antics of being quite passive. And I think a lot of that was due to him just being done. Like he was just, he just did not have the energy anymore after a, an all-time performance in game five to put the Miami Heat on his back again and and have them win another game. Yeah. And, you know, Bam Adebayo, I... Uh, 
Yeah, he had 25 and 10 on 10 and 15 shooting, but this is what separates the people who watch the game versus the actual people who just pay attention to analytics. Bam Adebayo did not have a good game. Do not let his stat line fool you. He was missing free throws. All of those buckets that he did get is when the Lakers just did not care. So it was not a great great outing for him. Um, I find that the Miami Heat were not hitting their free throws. I think there were 5 of 12 at one point just to start off the game. They were just breaking everything. And, you know, Duncan Robinson kind of had it going. But to beat a team with, you know, one of the greatest players of all time in LeBron and a future Hall of Famer in Anthony Davis and, you know, one of the great, you know, power forwards of this of this generation, uh, you need an all-time performance and you need everything to go perfectly. Was it the most exciting game? No. You know, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Everybody wants a little bit of competition. Well, not everybody. Maybe, maybe, you know, there are some people who just wanted to see, you know, LeBron and Lakers just win it and, and that's yeah. that. But yeah. for me personally, I wanted to see a little bit more competition. And so it was kind of a, I was hoping it'd be at least a, a little bit of a nail biter just to the end. I didn't mind the Lakers winning in six. In fact, I had them winning in six, but I would have expected it to be a little bit more uh, competitive throughout this last game but it all honestly just looked tired um that being said though it's huge the los angeles lakers i think that we kind of get lost with all the other narratives but this is a team that hasn't tasted victory since 2010 right they haven't been to the playoffs in a very very long time I think it's also similar. Wouldn't it 2012 is it since they've been to the playoffs? I think it's like a six or seven year drought. I think it is. I forgot exactly what year it was, but it's been a very long time. Mm -hmm. And for them to win this championship, it's a very big deal for that team. It's a very well-decorated team as well for that franchise. All of them getting them, all of that, you know, like this victory is a lot bigger than just than just LeBron getting his fourth ring. It's a lot bigger than that. It's Los Angeles kind of being, well, hey, we're respected again. We're the champions. Yeah. And if you ask me, I don't see them finishing up anytime soon. Even LeBron said it himself. He has a lot of years in him. And the way he was playing, I saw this one stat. I was on Reddit. Um, Apparently, he had the most efficient game since Prime Shaq or the most efficient playoff series or or something of that sort. He he shot better. Uh, he shot better from two, so like at the rim and 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 mid range and all that, than Shaq ever did in the playoffs. And ever. we're talking about the most dominant big man in yeah. all of NBA in the in the entire in the entire sport that has ever seen. You can have your debates on goat talk, but in terms of dominance, I'm not giving anybody a hand over Shaquille O'Neal. Um, so for LeBron James to do that, that is. That is almost unfathomable. It's so difficult to comprehend at year 17 him to do him to him to play at this level. And and honestly, it's not a joke. That stat over there, too. Don't even let the numbers fool you, Ben. We watch these games. Was LeBron open at the rim when he would drive? He had three, four, five defenders on him when he would go to the rim. And he's the way so he'd quick. split the defense, the way he'd switch hands, the way he would just find an opening. I was I was talking to Ali about this, and, and maybe this is our transition into, into LeBron talk. 
and and we're watching game six and and there's this moment i'm forgetting what quarter it was but lebron uh, ball gets swung to lebron and he's and he's just holding it he's in, he's in the mid-range and he's just holding and he holds it for maybe five six seconds and then he just accelerates at this phenomenal speed goes open uh, goes layup beats his man and and i'm and you're watching the replay and initially you're thinking like oh why the ball stopped you know what's happening here and it's like he's playing a different sport everyone is playing basketball but he's playing a completely different sport he's on another level and and he waits he sees what the defense is doing he sees all the off ball movement he waits till dragic takes one step in the opposite direction as a help defender and he knows Dragic can't pivot and change positions quick enough. And he bolts and Dragic is left standing there like a statue. His and eyes it's just, too is it's, just it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He is uh one of the smartest players of all time. These in, in my opinion, he's 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 he is the smartest player of all time. The way he can and I don't know if you saw uh Gilbert Arenas posted on IG. Uh, he posted a, an IG post congratulating LeBron. And what he's saying is like the first time he met LeBron, I think LeBron was like, I don't know, 17 or 18 or even 16 or something like that. And he sees LeBron and he, and he goes into LeBron's house and he and his wife or LeBron and his wife are, are sitting there and they're watching basketball and they're watching eight games of basketball at the same time. They have four TVs. Each TV has two games going on and it's whatever it's women's basketball hardwood classics uh whatever's on on in the nba right now reruns all these things and they're watching everything and lebron's taking it all in and gilbert arenas looks at him and he says and i'm paraphrasing the story he looks at him and he says damn this guy's this guy's gonna be smart you know this guy is really t- studying he's a student of the game he's learning everything he can a few years later lebron's in the league lebron's in the league and i'm forgetting what what year this was but they were playing the wizards in, in the playoffs and gilbert arenas was on the wizards at the time and, you know, he goes over to LeBron's house again. You know, they're they're friends at this point. They they respect each other. He goes over to LeBron's house. This time, LeBron's there again. He's watching eight games of basketball again. This time, he and his wife are sitting taking notes. They're taking notes. They're noticing plays. They're noticing play calls. All this stuff. Gilbert Arenas sees him, and he says, you know, that's not going to help you, right? That's not helping you. I'm still going to whoop your ass. Like, come, come, come to play us. LeBron looks up, and he says, we're going to win. We're going to win game one. I'm taking game one is what he says to Gilbert. He's like, all that studying isn't going to help you. We're taking game one. LeBron goes on to beat, take game one and win that series. And in that moment, Gilbert Arenas realized he will, this is the smartest player. This is the smartest, the way he is humble about it too, in that some players think they know everything, but the fact that LeBron every day devotes himself to learning more about the game, that mind of his is absolutely untouched. And I know you remember the post-game interview where they were asking him, I think this was 17 or 18 where they're in that playoff run where they're oh, yeah. asking him about uh, a certain play. And he just starts play. like a photographic memory. He just runs through it. Well, Paul was I think he has one. I think he definitely yeah. has a photographic memory. But now that we're kind of on the talk of just like LeBron's excellence and like I'm, I, I definitely want to, you know, as mentioned before, you you, you want to appreciate it, and uh, like my cousin Isam, he had a uh, he he tweeted this one thing that I thought was. At the end of the day, we're still watching a generational talent, and to kind of you wanna you wanna you wanna take it and appreciate it as it is, because the moment that LeBron is gone, there's going to be a void in the NBA that no player currently um, is is going to be able to fill. It's 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 way too difficult to fill someone with that big of an impact on the sport. But 
on my on my thing about LeBron's excellence and one of the uh, one of the more recent stories that I heard about him. Uh, I mean, we can talk about game six and how we had like 29 points on ridiculous efficiency and, you know, trip, near triple double or maybe you think he even had one. I forgot exactly what the stat line was, but it's a LeBron. It's a LeBron game. And what's crazy is how we're normalizing the fact that it's year 17 LeBron and we still expect such a high output from him. And on top of that, he's still delivering every single time that he had expectation with the exception of a couple of duds, he's always exceeded those expectations. Coming to the league as the chosen one, giving people forcing the torch onto him and him willfully taking it and coming out and playing as LeBron James, not, you know, not dying under pressure, doing really well is unbelievable. And again, on the big stage, here he comes again, and here he is being LeBron James. Yeah, it's crazy to watch the way he plays, his athleticism, how fast he is. You know his his IQ. You can see the way that he thinks. You can tell because you're you know that that Dragic step that you're talking about. What my brother kind of got me uh, into doing now is looking not at the ball but at everything else. Mm-hmm. And when you watch just LeBron, you can see the way his mind, like the way he's, he's, he's working. His mind is here. You know, like it's like his hands are over here. He's handling the ball, but his mind races to like what's going to happen if, you know, it clanks off the rim and there needs to be a board. He's going to position himself in the right way. And it's funny because you can actually see it as you're watching the game. This kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, another podcast that I've recently really been liking. It's the JJ Reddick podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's him. And I, I believe it's it's like a part of the rigor. Um, it's JJ Reddick, of course, and uh, his co-host Tommy. And they were they, they recently had an, uh, had an episode with DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Shout out to Debo. And shout out to Debo. And, and, and you know what? I will say this about him. I love that guy. Yeah. I love DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, but if you ask any Raptor player, will they do the same thing? Ten times out of ten, you're gonna say that you know you got to get rid of him to get another piece. That's just how it goes. But he's one of the most real, authentic, genuine NBA players. Somebody who you just know is real. Yeah, who just unfortunately doesn't have that skill level to be a superstar. But he is who he is, and you can tell how much he tries. It's so hard to root against Demar Derozan. But in the story, he was mentioning in the, you know, LeBron, LeBron to, I hate saying that, but LeBron two years, I think they were running a play, you know, and one of the players uh, um, within the rotation kind of missed, missed the play or didn't quite understand one of the, or Raptors, read what the players. Play was. One of the Raptors players didn't quite understand what was going on within the play. And lo and behold, LeBron James comes and says, you got to do this, this, and this. This is what the play is. He's letting the Raptors player know what the Raptors play is. The level of like, you, you know what kind of trash talk that is? It's not the KG. Oh, I'm going to yell at your face. I'm everything. I'm the best. It kind of reminds me of Tim Duncan's level of trash talk because he was the funniest. I don't know if you know uh, Tim Duncan's level of trash talk, but what he would do is he'd be like, ooh. Almost got me there. Ooh, not fast enough. Ooh, I got you there. 
Yeah. It'd be the slight little, little little pinch, but it just it's seed in your brain. So now imagine LeBron James, the other person in the in the conference finals or semi-conference, I forgot what it was, him letting you know what your play was that you had to follow, and him inevitably blocking it or getting a defensive defensive start regardless. No, that is what we're watching right now. Ben, it's worse than the Tim. Tim Duncan trash talk. You know what it is? It's my older brother trash talking me when we played basketball. It's him saying, all right, game up to 21. You start at 17 and him winning. You know how demoralizing that is? No, no, no. Let, let me clear that up. Ali, I know you're watching this. You know how demoralizing that was? We'd play in our driveway. I wouldn't want to play basketball with the man because he'd always beat me. He'd force me to come, go outside in the summer to play with the guy. And you'd be like, all right, game up to 21. You start at 17 and it's your ball score first. Four out of me. And he would, four he, would conti- he would immediately score 21 straight on me. It was yeah. loser's ball. Then it was Ali, loser's now ball. That I got know the that ball you are back watching every this? time. Every time I got the ball back and I couldn't do anything. Ali, now that I know that you're watching this, you've ruined this man's life. I'm going to point at him right now. This man has been, he's, he doesn't take shots anymore. He just sees your big ass just walk, Yo, blocking the, blocking the ball to another postal The code. ghost of Ali Shabir actually haunts me. The ghost, it's real, day, it's real. It's why, I, so why real. my layups are so broke up and I always end up hooking them because I need to get I him st- away. I still remember when we would go to Paramount and, you know, this was like peak, just like trash talking, 4PC versus 3PC basketball. And... You know, I would have the ball and he would just sit in the middle of the court and just just sit there cross-legged and everything. Just just sitting there waiting for me to bring up the ball. You know, I'm like, okay, let me take this opportunity. I drive blocked immediately sent to British Columbia. The the best is when he tell you to shoot and then he would just sit down on the cross-legged and wait for you to brick the shot and you would shoot it and you'd brick it. And nothing was more demoralizing than that. So that level of demoralization in the NBA coming from another player who, you know, like, again, these are all super competitive, rightfully in the NBA. The 400 best players in the world. The 400 best players. They're rightfully there. But you have another player who's 36 years old. You know who else is in year 17? I saw this. I saw this uh, on Twitter and I was dumbfounded. Andre Iguodala. Him, is he a good player? Sure. You know, somebody who can maybe, you know, get you nine points off the bench with, you know, good, you know, like veteran leadership within the locker room. That's what's expected at year 17. People, this is year 17. LeBron at 36 years old. You know, you know what I heard? Um, And he has years left. He is not stopping anytime soon he did not give me reason to believe that he is you know he's coasting in la he's there for hollywood he's there for this and that no lebron james is actually playing like the greatest player in the league right now and yeah. he is showing that to everybody within the league on like a notice on like a caution like i'm still here y'all can play what you want but i'm still here when when he was on the heat I'm forgetting what year it was, but they faced uh, Chicago in the playoffs, uh, faced Jimmy Butler, right? And uh, Nate Duncan, uh, I was listening to his podcast and he said, this is, you know, like now they're facing the playoffs again for the first time since then or whatever. And and he says, 
it's crazy to think about, but LeBron has actually retained his athleticism more than Jimmy Butler since they last faced, which is wow. unbelievable to That's think crazy. about. He has retained his athleticism better than Jimmy Butler, who is so much younger than him. Just, just to, just to kind of put that into perspective, like Le- LeBron James, every year, and I've been saying this for. I don't even know how many years. Every year it's the same story. And and now that you have lived through this firsthand, you see where I'm coming from when you've asked me this question, you know. People always count out LeBron. Come January, February, you know, he has a bad month. He his plus minus is accumulated plus minus over the month is bad. Teams had some defensive lapses, whatever it might be. People start counting LeBron out. Beginning of every season, rankings come out. You know, LeBron, is he really the best player anymore? All this, they count him up. And every year I say the same thing. You cannot bet against LeBron James. You cannot bet against LeBron James. The house always wins. And every year in the playoffs, save for his most injured year in his career, other than that, every year in the playoffs, he has shown that ability to, to come through like that. And 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 to go back to kind of his his accolades over the years, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole goat debater or anything like that because it's it's pointless. It's not a worthwhile discussion. But every year that LeBron has lost in the finals, except for 2011, he wasn't even favored to win. Like, like we we really need to think about that. Like people hold these losses against him when he wasn't favored to win, and LeBron has also won when he hasn't been favored to win. I'm going to say 2016, I'm going to say 2013, I'm going to, and and those, those two years, he wasn't favored. The only times LeBron has been favored to win and actually did win, I would say would be 2012. You could argue 2013, but 2012 and 2020, these are the only two years where it was kind of like, oh yeah, he's going to win. Yeah, he's going to win or whatever it might be. So it's, it's, yeah, yeah. No, what I was just going to say was, you know, that's what I'm seeing a lot of on uh, NBA Twitter and YouTube videos and and all of this. And again, like I've kind of come at peace with my opinion on the whole matter. But you keep seeing things like the goat debate and this and how does it alter things? The truth is, you're not going to make you're not going to change the other person's mind. That's what it really comes down to. Is it fun to talk about? Of course, comparatively, if you want to have a discussion, hey, let's just talk. What do you think would happen? Then it's fun. It's fun to do. But if it's an actual discussion, it's it's really, I think Colin Coward said this. It's like comparing chocolate to like cottage cheese. You can't compare them. It's two different generations, completely different rules, different way that the NBA was working, different players, different everything. It's just so it's such a ridiculous thing to do. But for the sake of having fun, you compare them. That's where I see it. LeBron, if you as you said this, if you don't have LeBron James as top two ever, you're 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 not seeing it. And I think you put that very well in the last episode. You're just not seeing it and you're not going to see it. Mm-hmm. If if so far, all of these different things have not proven to you that he's at least top two, whether it's one or two, it's completely up to you. You are not seeing it. And it's unfortunate because, again, that Alan Iverson episode really did a number on me. Yeah, You've got to give the flowers while they're still here. Yep. 
You've got to appreciate greatness while it's still here. Yeah. Blindly hating, you know, it's fun to troll and have fun whenever. But you got to give the flowers while they're still here. And LeBron James, fortunately, is still here. He's still playing at an extremely high level. And fortunately for us, he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. And, and you know what's the scary part about it? I saw a tweet uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the name and I feel bad, but someone tweeted right after they won. It's like, and the Lakers are going to get better next year. And and when oh, you think what? about that, you think about that, you're like, that's that's actually scary to think about. Like a lot of people roasted some of their signings and they did all this and they're just going to get better. They're going to get some of their players that didn't play during this restart. They're going to resign Bradley. some people. They're going to they're, they're going to potentially make some moves on the margin. They're going to they're going to they're going to get better. And and that's scary to think about. And I and I, I know there's yeah. there's there are going to be other teams. It's going to be a different landscape. The competitive landscape is going to look different this year. But in a vacuum, if you're talking about just this team, you know, which direction does this team go? This team gets better. And that's fun. That makes me excited to see LeBron continue to compete at that level going forward. And you know what? I think that's a good transition to the rest of the Lakers team because, you know, like we don't want to spend an hour long just talking about LeBron and, and yeah. you know, uh, Anthony Davis balled out, you know, and I think this is what happens when you when you work with or when you have another superstar with you, you know, like you are going to learn a lot. And what really uh, did it for me the most was Anthony Davis. He didn't look like, you know, a lot of. Uh, commentator said like Anthony Davis you know like he looks like he's getting a little fragile he's not is he going to work with LeBron when it comes to the big big uh you know like the the big show is he going to be able to perform he came dropping bucket after bucket yeah. 25 points per game on high efficiency not messing up free throws playing defense you know that if he didn't play defense on Jimmy Butler that one game it could have changed the series a lot it could have been a potential game seven and who knows what happens but he yeah. played defense when it mattered and he played really well. Anthony Davis, I am so happy that he is getting his ring because he's one of the superstars that deserve to be decorated. He's yeah. an extremely talented. He can shoot the ball. He can drive. He has a post game. Just, you know, like he can pass as well. He he is an all-around superstar. He has it all. And he looks like he's very easy to work with as well. So I'm super happy that Anthony Davis got this ring. Most definitely. What I'm what I'm especially happy about is, you know, this will be his team, right? This will be his team, whether it's next season or whether it's after LeBron retires or whatever it'll be, or it'll be a different team. But at one point, it's going to be AD's team, right? And these the playoff run that AD had, that's a legacy-making playoff run. That's a playoff run that people don't hold against you when they say things like, oh, you know, you got carried or whatever. No one can say that AD no. got carried. LeBron performed exceptionally well and we just talked through that but no one can say AD got carried and that's what's important right that's when AD ends up winning a finals MVP or you know his his hall of fame case is being made and all that stuff and I know he's going to get in that's not what I'm questioning but you look back at his career and you're going to say you know when AD was on a good team he balled out he balled he, out he produced he produced no one can hold anything against him and finals MVP it could have swung in his direction too. So, so his his defense was crucial. I think LeBron was 
was was LeBron's impact on offense was was probably more than AD's impact on defense. That's probably why the voters swung in in that direction. Plus, you know, the, the narrative, after the, all. Yeah. the the narrative that's created, and and you know the, just the impact and all that. I I totally understand. I'm happy that LeBron got it, but it's it's incredible that AD performed as well as he did. And I think I'm going to go as far to say is AD is the best teammate that LeBron James has ever had. Uh, on, uh, the best teammate that LeBron James has ever had. And it's it's unreal when you see kind of when, when you compare that to like, wait, LeBron played with D Wade, LeBron played with Bosch, Kevin Love, Kyrie, but AD is the best he's ever had. Uh, and, and the way I see this, because, you know, we've we've had this discussion before, but the uh, the importance of a big man now, like an all around big man is you're kind of like the jack of all trades. You're 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 big enough that you can tower over a point guard, so they're not going to do anything to you, you know. But you're 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 fast enough. Like yo, his uh, his mid range, he has a quick step to him. Uh, Anthony Davis has a quick step. He can just pull that mid range off. He can drive, and he also is a reliable. You know, he can shoot the three, and you'd have to defend it. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's how I would describe Anthony Davis. So imagine having all of that, you know, at your disposal. Absolutely. I think Anthony Davis is the best teammate that LeBron James has ever had as well, especially at his age. He's entering his prime or you can say that he's in his prime right now, whatever the case may be. But he is a jack of all trades and he has it all. So I agree. The the thing that's often not stated when it comes to to big men is uh, big men in the NBA, having them on the court, it's the it's it's a double edged sword, right? Uh, on, On the plus side. You have someone that wears out the the other team, your opponents. They wear them out. And I'm going to get into that. But on the other side, they could potentially be a liability, right? We know all about that. We know big men getting played off the floor. Rudy Gobert not being on the court in crucial possessions and things like that. But AD is not a liability. So you don't get any of the cons. You get all of the plus. And the plus is something that uh, Austin Rivers talked about. He was on uh, IG Live or something like that. And, yeah, and he was yeah. talking about this. I think you saw it. And he's like, the size of the Lakers wears on you. It yeah. wears on you over the course of a game, over the course of a series, over the course of a season. And it's just like, it's so taxing. And it's something that's not overtly stated in the stats. You're not going to see it in blocks. You're not going to see it in steals. You're not going to see it in like, in all the traditional counting stats that we have, but you just see it in this in this exertion that's required of the uh, other team. Austin Rivers was talking about like they'd switch everything and then they play the Lakers and and Austin Rivers gets switched onto AD in the post and it's just like it takes everything out of him to try to alter that shot. AD still gets whatever he wants, but Austin Rivers is so much more tired for it. I mean, look at Tyler Hero. Uh, I know you saw that weird floater that he had. That was yeah. kind of like Paul George esque when he was in OKC. Yeah. It went all the way to like the ceiling, and that, but that's what he does. And and you know, again, these are things that you that won't come up in the stat sheet, but defense and the way you disrupt a shot, you're not going to see that, but it makes a huge it's it's a huge deal. And Anthony Davis definitely did that, and then some. He yeah. was unbelievable throughout this entire playoff series it wasn't just miami but against houston but against portland against denver 80 was just being himself and himself was the superstar that he is yeah you know he was he was he was playing at a very high level and lebron james you know 
as AD needed LeBron James, LeBron James needed AD as well. Because yep. there were a lot of times that, you know, maybe LeBron James is a little is a little step back, is a little step behind or something. AD was right there. He was able to pick up the pieces. He's able to clean up the shots that Caruso or Danny Green or, you know, somebody would take, KCP. All these guys were there. But Anthony Davis would have had this, like, you had this comfort in the fact that you have AD on your team because he's going to ball out. Yeah. Kind of extending this conversation as well, Rajon Rondo. Yeah, let's talk about some of the other guys. Yeah. player in the NBA to win a championship, not only with the Celtics, but with the Los Angeles Lakers as well. He had 19 points on crazy efficiency. As I said to uh, yourself and many other people, if Rajon Rondo is hitting threes, just pack up your bags. If, if, if Rondo's going to be hitting threes, what are you, what are you realistically going to do? He was playing lights out. He deserves yeah. that ring. I always said that I found him to be the third head of this three-headed monster when he is playing, you know, well, of yeah. course. But he has such a big impact. You yeah. know, he has such a big impact. And I'm sure on film sessions as well, Rondo is not just going to, you know, he's speaking up. You can see that LeBron and Rondo kind of had this camaraderie because they're both High IQ mind just coming together. Again, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in the in, in a film room between LeBron James and Rajon Rondo. What are they talking about? I did, love I, that. But did you did you see the Rajon Rondo NBA TV interview after they won? Uh, no, I didn't finals? get a chance to see it. So so one of the questions, his, yeah, one of the questions in that was uh they asked Rondo about playing with LeBron and how they how they how they fit together. And Rondo was saying he was watching the 2017 finals when uh, LeBron lost to Golden State and watching how LeBron was playing and all those things. And Rondo said to himself, if I could ever get on a team with LeBron James, there's no one that can beat us four games. In yeah, a oh, series. I, I saw that yeah. quote. Yeah. 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 He said that if yeah. I could get on a team with LeBron James, there's no one who could beat us. He's like their intelligence there. And R- Rondo, so smart, so smart. So and smart. he really proved a lot of people wrong myself included i didn't think rondo deserved to be in that rotation based off of some of the regular season play that i was seeing but this kind of goes into this broader this broader topic that i guess and we don't have to get too into it but it's about we only judge the way we assign value to things when we judge them how good a player is or how bad a player is is by using the tools that we have in our disposal, right? The apparatus that we have. But it's almost as if, think about when we use standardized testing to judge someone's intelligence. Yes, it might be an indication, but you can't say just because someone did good or bad on a test that they are smart or they're not smart, right? Like we understand that now as a society, that there are different types of intelligences, There's uh, that a test can't capture the full breadth of someone's intelligence, right? That one test isn't going to tell you if someone's smart or not. And it's almost like when we judge these players during the regular season, we watch how they're playing in the regular season. And we say, oh, Rondo's so bad. He's not a good player. Oh, LeBron's coasting on defense. You know, LeBron lost it. He's washed or whatever. But when they actually have to perform in the playoffs, it's like a different sport that they're playing. And Rondo just shows us that the what we've been using to judge him isn't indicative of what he has to bring to the table. And he proved that in, in this playoff series, not just by that lights out shooting that he had, where he hit more threes this playoff run than he's hit in his entire career in the playoffs combined. But 
the fact that the way he he could understand the game and 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 kind of pick it apart bit by bit. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Rondo drive and get that open layup just because he knew his defender wasn't looking. He looks off for a secondary, realizes that there's no help there. Or the way he's set up AD or the way he's set up some of his other shooters, just having that playmaking potential there, it, it, it's incredible. And it's like, you know, maybe we're more broadly speaking, maybe when sometimes we look at some of these players and, and we say like, oh, this is great and this is not, maybe we're using the wrong tool to measure. Maybe we're using the wrong test. Maybe the box pub stomping during the regular season isn't indicative of how well they are as a championship team in the playoffs. I, I, I think that's I think that's very true. I think uh between the regular season and the playoffs, it's it, it really is two different leagues at that point. And I think that's what separates a truly great team from a good team. It, it's kind of like, you know, the you know, not even the LeBron James, but even like an, an Anthony Davis to a DeMar DeRozan. It, it, it's like, yeah, you can ball out in the regular season. We're both getting 20 something points per game. Right. It's not like our averages are too far off, but in the playoffs, how are you performing? It's much more than the stat sheet. Right. It's mm-hmm. a lot more than the stat sheet. And Rondo, similar to LeBron James, when when watching him, you can see the way his mind works. He's calling these plays. He's looking at, you know, the floor and 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 guiding people, telling AD where to go. He needs a screen right here. You know, you need to go far to the left. Go go to the corner. and then. They get the ball. KCP gets a three. It just some. It just works. Anthony Davis gets a lob. It just works. Rondo's IQ, extremely intelligent player. And on top of that, he also has what old heads would call. It seems to me like that mindset of just a very competitive. Well, you know, like him and CP3, they hate each other because they're so similar. You know what I mean? They're, they hate each other because of that. They're the exact same type of personality and player. Yeah. Both extremely smart. But that's just that's just what it is. Really yeah. happy, again, for Rondo for being able to get this ring. And huge congratulations to him for being the first player to get it for the Lakers and for the Celtics. I know Paul Pierce is somewhere out there like, man, Ray Allen got one with LeBron and Rondo <laughs> got one from LeBron. What does this mean? <laughs> Man, I, I, and I want to move on to some of the other players, but just the last thing on Rondo. I mean, this was something that I realized. Playoff Rondo was something I learned firsthand in, in 2017 when he was on the Bulls. Was that like, when he was in Chicago? Yeah. Chicago, up yeah, 2-0. Yeah. Up, up 2-0. Against who again? Against the Boston Celtics. Against the Boston, Celtics. The right, Boston the Celtics. Celtics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the series where IT surpassed, right? And okay, and Chicago was up 2-0, and Rondo breaks his finger, or 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 there's a ligament damage, or, That's what it was. or break, finger, or something finger. like that. Something to his dislocates finger. finger, and the Bulls end up dropping and losing that series. And and you know, I don't, I, I don't know, that, I, I I don't think that was a that was a a championship team. But I mean, look at Miami. How many people thought that was a championship team, right? Like, yes, that Bulls team would have to Dude. have go gone through 2017 LeBron, but it's like it's crazy how different things could have been if he wasn't injured. That's the impact that he has. Rondo was probably so happy being on the Lakers. Remember when he was on the Pelicans with Boogie and AD? Boogie got Boogie got in, injured, so he didn't really have them. Yeah. So now he has AD and LeBron James. Rondo knew 
from the beginning of the season that they were going to be the champions. He just knew. He's yeah. like, and he's right. What team could beat the Lakers four times in a playoff series when you have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, you know, KCP, all these other role players? Who can beat them four times? In the playoffs? There isn't a single team. In the playoffs, there isn't a single team that can beat them four times. Get out of there with it. It's not happening. And and I'm so happy for him. And I'm so happy for some of those other players that are on the Lakers. Dwight Howard, did you see that video of Dwight him? Howard it was just when he was crying it. when he was giving that speech? That that raw emotion. That raw emotion. Because people forget, man, this was the most dominant player at his position at a time. He was owning the league, the best center in the league, and and yes, he's had a lot of missteps, and yes, a lot of them can be blamed on himself, his lack of maturity, his lack of all this, blah blah blah. He's been called a locker room cancer and all this, but that Dwight redemption arc. That makes me feel good to see him, you know, back there. I, I thought he was Hall of Fame bound before before the title too, right? But to it's just something for someone to win their first, for someone to win their first, that validation that they feel, it makes me so happy. And you saw it on 80s face. In this run. Yeah. You saw it on 80s face when he's sitting on the bench and he realizes in the final minutes Ryan that this motion. is it. He's gonna, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a champion. And Dwight, when he gets it, like, I don't know, he deserves it, man. He deserves it in the world. I'm so happy for him. It's it's crazy because in 09 when they played the Lakers, yeah. you know, he was in Orlando, yeah, and he lost to the Lakers, and now he's in Orlando with the Lakers, yeah. and now he won the championship. And you know, he had this tweet back in 13 where he's just like, I'm sure you saw it, but he just said, It didn't work out, LA. I hope to make it up to you another time. Uh, uh, like verbatim, I think he, he says something yeah, along something those lines. Like I hope I can. And make lo it up and to behold, you, yeah. seven years later, seven years later, here he is holding the chip. And you know what? As 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 I mentioned before, he was an important, important part throughout this run, especially the Denver uh, series. playing against Denver series. That's what I was going to say. He was pivotal in the Denver series against Jokic, defending him, and um, the way he was, the way he was playing, especially his defense really made really made the difference so mm -hmm. i know that this isn't one of those championships if tracy mcgrady when he was on the spurs he's kind of just on the bench and he's just going to get a ring no i think dwight howard has the feeling that he earned it and i think that's what makes this entire thing even better the fact that he knows he earned it as well you know as he should he won it he got his ring hall of famer dwight howard he deserved it before it he got it now Super happy for him, man. Yeah. A lot of really good stories on this Lakers team. We, we've talked about Rondo. We talked about Dwight. And, and you know, KCP, just kind of that whole arc where people thought like, oh, he got that clutch yeah. money overpaid, blah, blah, blah. Getting booed, getting booed by Lakers fans and things like that. And his turnaround. And, you know, Danny Green did not have that great of a playoff run i think we can all admit that like danny green yeah, really did struggle in the bubble is. really did struggle in the bubble but the fact that danny green's contributions overall in the season did help to put the lakers in the position that they were in you know number one seed and all these things like all of those contributions need to be accounted for right it's not just about what happened in the bubble it's about what happened leading up to the bubble as well right so 
he as well. Exactly. And then and then I just I don't know. I think about players like Caruso as well and and Kuzma and how pivotal how pivotal this experience is for them and and their growth, regardless of what you see as Kuzma's trajectory. But this is really, really important for them. It it really made me mad that people were uh, dogging Kuzma as much as they were mm-hmm. uh, because I, you know, Kuzma to be like, give me the ball. I'm just going to shoot it. I'm just going to shoot. It. That's all I know. You know what I mean? Like pretty much like a Jordan Clarkson, but taller. You know what I mean? You're just like a taller Clarkson. That's what he was before. But what I saw throughout this run from Kuzma was his growth and understanding what his role is. I think he really learned that on this Lakers team because yeah. he was doing a lot of off-ball stuff that not not anybody was paying attention to. Yeah. He was cutting, he was playing, you know, as well as he could on defense, but I was really I was really impressed with how he was off-ball. He made a leap and I think this is what's really going to add to his development, understanding what your position is, understanding what your role is, not being confused on that. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Butler said that was one of the biggest things of why the 76ers didn't work out during his tenure there is because they didn't even realize what position each person was in. Nobody was talking. Nobody was communicating. But in a team of James and Rondo and all the other players there, they had this camaraderie and people understood, listen, I'm the guy that's going to get the buckets. I'm yeah. going to be the guy get, that gets the boards. When is Dwight Howard? I'm going to be the guy that's going to get the, de- uh, the you know, that's going to get um, the defensive stops. When is Caruso? I'm going to get you a spark off the bench. You can trust, but they know their role. Yeah. And that's what makes this a team sport. And, and Rondo the 76ers had the talent, but yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Rondo was pivotal okay. in that. It's, it's okay. We don't have to talk about the Sixers. <laughs> and the you keep trying to give us examples. Failed. It's okay. It's okay. It's over. It's they failed. I know, but 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 honestly, like you know, a lot of players too many to name. Yeah. But but I think the last thing on my end is like I guess we know who the Greek freak is, right? Um, the the younger Antetokounmpo. Ostas. Ostas. So there we go. That is, you know what, I think that's a good way to, you know, I'll, of course, shout out to uh, Frank uh, Frank Vogel as well. Vogel. I think he was able to Rob coach the, uh, the team, Rob Palenka, Jeannie Buss, all these guys. Yeah. They, they made it successful. They brought the Lakers back to what it used to be. Hopefully they can continue on with this momentum that they have and, and repeat it and, and do what they've got to. But, you know, I'm excited to see the Lakers future. Now let's move on to the Miami Heat. Yeah, let's give them their due course. What are... Let, we gotta Jimmy Butler two all time performances in the finals game three uh, was a game three and game one I think it was I think it was game one and game three in three which he five, had I think I think it was three and five three and five oh sorry what am I saying yeah, yeah. three and five yeah sorry uh yeah three all time performances you got a thirty five point triple double you got a forty point game on his back come on man what yeah. are your thoughts on losing out on Jimmy Butler as a 76ers fan. Man, I lost I lost out on him twice as a 76ers fan and a Chicago Bulls fan. Okay. It's done. It's over. He might as well come to Toronto it's and done. hurt us too. Like <laughs> you know how bad you gotta have it? you know how down bad you gotta be to lose out on the same player twice? We could have had him twice. <laughs> That's how down bad I am. I don't know about you, Omar. 
I don't know about you, Omar, but I didn't see this. I'm sorry. I did not. I don't know if you no. saw this no. in your infinite wisdom. No. I did not see Jimmy no. Butler to be this caliber of and, a player. And anyone who's saying that they saw this coming from him, all time lies. Level lies. Level. They're lying. They're lying. I always rated. I always thought Jimmy Butler was better than how he was rated. But even I did not see this coming. And and he played. He played amazing. He the thing about Jimmy Butler is he played to his strengths and and by God did he play to them kind of thing, right? He did everything mm-hmm. in his power to get to the free throw line to to create the shots to play defense. He did what he was best at. And unfortunately, his downfall, I think, came in two ways, uh, one of which was he's only human and he just did not have his legs under him after those all time performances. And the other would be just kind of systemic things about his game, right? Like he's not a great shooter. We kind of we saw that in this yeah. series when AD would go so far under on those screens. And this is what 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 happened in Philly as well, right? Like Jimmy Butler just refused to take three pointers. He just did not yeah. take three pointers at all when he was with Philly. He he just stopped taking mm. them, and that hurt that team. Damn, and and that hurt Miami here as well. And I respect him for for being comfortable and taking the shots that he's comfortable taking because we saw what you can do when you double down on what you're good at. We saw what can happen, but unfortunately, just given the fact that. You know, they were missing their leading score coming into this. And Dragic came back and honestly, I felt bad, but he they were doing better without him too at times yeah. just because he wasn't all there. It was it was kind of like and they wanted this, you know, like you know, that Pippin game for Chicago when his back was complete, couldn't even walk. They were hoping for some form of spark. They yeah. they knew they lost the series. They were just like, let's just throw him in there. At least he can say he participated. Yeah. Do it, do it for him, you know, so on and so forth. But I didn't see this coming from Jimmy Butler at all. In fact, I didn't even see that coming from Dragic. I don't know how he was became this 20 point per game scorer and all of this and all of that, but he was playing really well. Not, not just Jimmy and not just this series, I think is, is kind of the takeaway when it comes to the Miami Heat. Like we got to understand they beat some damn good teams to get to where they were. They beat the reigning two-time MVP and the and the, apparently the best team in the league, the Milwaukee Bucks. They beat the Boston Celtics. They beat Bubble Warren. Bubble and that Warren. Boston Celtics team beat the defending champions. Yeah. So that says a lot about that Celtics team. Yeah. You know, like, again, those Raptors played with the confidence and heart of a champion. They were able to beat that in seven games. Yeah. That Celtics team was not a joke. So, so Miami, you know, very exciting future. Their their young players are going to be great. Jimmy Butler will be able to maintain this level of of. I hope he can maintain this level of performance going forward for the duration of his contract. And they've really marketed themselves as a as a desirable destination. You know, exactly it's a, it's a nice big say. city. It's a nice big city. It's a it's a great warm place to be. Everyone loves Miami. And it's a historic franchise. You have people like Dwayne Wade, you know, um, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Chris Bosh, LeBron James as alumni of this of this team. And and then you have Jimmy Butler, a star there. And this team kind of showed you, you know, how far grit and, and everyone playing their role and good coaching shout out to Spo can take you. Right. Like it's a very good organization. It's an organization a lot of teams strive to be. I was just going to say that. Miami being the ultimate free agent destination now, because 
if we're seeing it, other players are seeing it as well. They're probably the Victor Ola depots of the world. They're probably thinking to themselves, man, if I was there instead of Tyler Hero, what could have happened? Yeah. If, if he had another Gallinari's, all these people, all Gallinari's, like all like if they had another a reliable shooter like me, what could happen? We could have beaten the Lakers. They took two games from the Lakers while they were injured. All of this stuff. Of course, they're going to be thinking that. On top of that, it's Miami. On top of that, it's extremely well, you know, the, the accolades. It can go on and on. You know, a great coach, uh, Pat Riley, all of these different, you know what I'm saying? Like all of these different things make such a big impact with uh, free agent destination. And this is what we have on one of our topics as well. But perception change yeah. after this playoff. Yeah, playoff let's talk run. about that. Yeah. So let's start with my the, with the Miami Heat. We've already sort of talked about it, but definitely huge free agent destination. Jimmy Butler has changed himself from an all star to a superstar in some in, in for some people. I think that perception is definitely real, and nobody can be like you're so dumb as Jimmy Butler. If you throw around the superstar loosely, then why not throw him in there? Mm-hmm. He led his team. They took two games away from a Lakers team of two Hall of Fame all timers. Why not throw him yeah. in there? Yeah. Duncan Robinson being a more reliable three, like a, a JJ Redick light. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there, there, there's so many things with the Miami Heat that completely changed. What about yeah. you? What do you think? You know, it's it's. I think a lot of people were high on Bam too, but overall, in this in the entirety of the playoffs, you look at him and you say, "Damn!" Like he, he, he really did kind of advance his position and his trajectory, and people think he's in that direction. And and you know, uh, Jimmy Butler solidifying his place as one of the greats in this league, and and carving that out for him, and all of these other players, and and the team as a whole. You know, it's it's a very good positive uh, perception change, and overall, like. I didn't see it coming. I was proven wrong. I thought this was a sweep. I thought they didn't have it in him, right? I thought it was a sweep before all of the injuries. And then this happens and 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 I'm just proven wrong, right? And I'm glad that I was proven wrong because it made for some really fun basketball. It made for some really fun basketball as, as a fan of the sport. And, you know, as a former Jimmy Butler stan, or maybe I still am, like, this was, it was great to watch. So, so kind of, you know, what, what I want to say to them is is kudos. They hang their heads high. They have absolutely nothing to be ashamed about. But at the same time, I'm not, it's not a pity party, right? It's not like, oh, good job. You made it this far, right? It's like, get back in the gym and come back next year. Do it again. Do it do again. You see them, these teams do you see again. them coming back? I, I, I see the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie and KD. I How's see the them East performing at this high level in the playoffs because what reason have they given us to doubt them, right? Mm-hmm. What reason have they given us to doubt them? Who are who are their threats? The Boston Celtics beat him. Milwaukee Bucks beat him. Raptors they could beat him. Like who who is the threat in the East to them? The only team that comes to mind, the only net new game changer, is the Brooklyn Nets. And honestly, think of it like this: who who would win, the Brooklyn Nets or the LA Lakers, if they played this year, right? Mm. All of a sudden, that conversation gets interesting. You can't really call it one way or the other for sure, right? I think I'd be leaning more towards the Lakers, but but no one's going to come out and say one way or the other, like, oh, this is guaranteed this 100% sweep or whatever, right? If that's the case, you just have the Miami Heat that took two games against the Lakers while they're injured. What do you think they can do against Brooklyn, right? Can they take three? Can they take four? You start thinking, right? You start, you start going the down Brooklyn that path. Brooklyn Nets thinking. are such a wild card. Yeah. In the league right now, yeah. they have a new coach. 
new play- they they are meant to be a finals contender type of team on paper you got Laver, Jared Allen, Dinwiddie, all these great, amazing role players. A bunch of KCPs around, you know, Kyrie Irving and uh, and Kevin Durant, yeah. spearheaded by Steve Nash, who is again a new coach but a very smart player. Mm-hmm. How well that translates, it's still up in the air. But that's what I mean by them being such a wild card team. It's so difficult to say where this team is going to be, how well they're going to place. We can kind of spin around in circles just talking about it but ultimately if it's a perfect world brooklyn i have them really high yeah. but it's not a perfect world and yeah. you have kyrie irving and you have kevin durant who are the most sensitive superstars this league has ever seen yeah so it's hard to say where that's going to go exactly and, and and we'll get more into that when we talk about kind of like our our, our season preview potter and and all that stuff but kind of coming back to the topic of, of perception changes, let me ask you, you know, what are some other teams that for better or for worse, other teams or players that have kind of changed your perception on them as a result of this bubble basketball? Man, I've learned that, you know, thinking back on the Denver and Utah series, two major takeaways. I've learned that the Utah Jazz are never going to go away. <laughs> They're just going to exist. You're, you're going to forget about them. When you do your one to eight prediction, maybe you'll forget about the Jazz. They're just going to be there. And Mitchell can ball. He changed my perception with that, you know, that one. I, and, and, you know, because of how fast things move in the NBA, it's, it's, it's easy to forget about performances. But that one against one between Murray and Mitchell back and forth back and back forth. and forth it was a sight to see they were both balling out yeah my perception definitely changed of the jazz in a more positive light i see them always to exist but you know i don't think they're ever going to be as like that good enough unless there's a major change that happens it kind of strike me as like the raptors in a way uh before you know cut Kawhi, where they're kind of just stuck in this middle zone in this middle ground that they have that's what i see with the utah with the utah jazz i see Jokic and jamal murray in a much different light as well mm-hmm. jamal murray definitely has an argument to be the best center in the league though i disagree with it Jokic, yeah yeah uh but he definitely has an argument now if somebody was to say that i mean legacies are made in the playoffs that's just the reality of the situation right so Jokic definitely I see him differently Jamal Murray definitely I see him differently now it seems like he was worth all that money that he got in his big fat contract of his yeah you know um what else what what other uh things are so what else other things do I see I mean Maybe you can get started on some as well. Do you agree yeah. with mine or I I I one hundred percent agree. And I think I've said it on the pod, or maybe it was off the pod before, but I was wrong about Murray. I was wrong about Murray. I didn't think he was worth the money, and he shut me up in the most sensational way possible. And I am incredibly excited to see where that Denver team goes and, and how they respond, right? Uh 2012 OKC vibes. I, mm. I said that before, but they'll be back. 
they'll they'll be back, right? This isn't 2012 OKC, right? They'll actually yeah. be back. This you, time. you 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 hit that yeah. for on purpose. Hey, you you said that on purpose. No, I I didn't. Like, yeah, I, I mean, you I, know what? I, I hit you with the 76ers. You just want to hit me with the thunder stuff. All I, I do is praise understand. the thunder on this pod. All I do is praise the thunder on this pod. Let me have <laughs> something, okay? Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, let's get the easy ones out of the way. The Los Angeles Clippers and the Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks. We say it every pod, and I feel like we're going to say it every time. So, if there are any Trash. Clippers fans or Milwaukee fans listening, but sorry, but you know, it's it's the truth. You know, they changed their Trash. perception. They showed us that they are they're not cut from the same cloth as as some of these. Yeah, they're cut teams. from trash. <laughs> Honestly, Paul George is trash. Yeah. So all those takes, you know, in the light, they look they look real dumb now. They look real never dumb now. trusting. You can't trust them, man. You yeah. cannot trust them. In the regular season, they'll ball out. Like, oh, Kawhi just dropped 43. Hey, LeBron, something's going to happen. This- Shut up. Yeah. Shut your mouth. Get out of don't here. Don't, don't want to hear it. A, a, don't make a sound. Don't even look at me anymore. And and honestly, I honestly, the Milwaukee one probably doesn't even apply to me because... I, they didn't change my perception. They just validated <laughs> I know. I what I already knew. I've been saying for years. I've been so low on Giannis. I've been saying this for years. Let me ask you a question, though. It. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. So, AD before, before this team yeah. was won a total of five whopping playoff games. Yeah. Do you see a... Do you... Is it fair to compare and contrast Giannis and Anthony Davis? No, no. And the reason for that, the reason for that is situation. The AD mm. wasn't favored in those series, right? Ah, the, yeah. the team that Point. AD had around him, AD wasn't the MVP or the best player in the league, right? But when you have the two-time MVP that loses two series in which he's favored, Mm. with a better team apparently the best team in basketball and 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 the coach of the year and all of these things like that's the thing right that's the crux of it when you're favored and you lose why do we harp on 2011 so much why is that the big stain on lebron's career because he was favored to win and he lost nobody talks about 2007 because because they realize the 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 team that he had with him right they talk about 2011 because he was favored and he lost. And with Giannis, I see those two spots in his career where he was favored in 19 and he was favored in 20 and he lost both. He was up 2-0 that's against like, the Raptors. That's like two 2011 yeah. stains on his legacy exactly. already. Exactly. And that's why I don't hold 80 to the same accord. Now, if 80 was on Milwaukee and there was a 60 plus win team and and they were dominating and they had the greatest point differential and he was MVP and then they go up and they lose against Miami. Very different story then. Very different. So 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 that's why I don't hold it, hold it to the same regard. It's almost like there's levels to this and, and, and we're not talking about you right now. Yeah, You're not in the conversation. I, 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 I see that. I have to be proven otherwise in a very big way. Yeah. I, I need like a Jimmy Butler type performance from these guys. Yeah. Literally the reason why they were able to get like they, they need to get to the finals. Yeah. They need to be able to get through all because otherwise it's going to be the same talk. And they, they, again, they haven't proven they haven't been, they haven't given me a reason to believe in them. Just like LeBron James hasn't given us a reason to not believe in him. Yeah. It's that same level of belief in other ways, in, in flipped ways. 
You need to Why would it believe in the Clippers? Why would it believe in the Bucks? I don't care what pieces you add. You add Brooke Lopez. Oh, well, he can shoot now. Giannis only has shooters. I don't care how many shooters he has. What is he going to do? Yeah. Nothing. As evidently shown. Dude, losing in five. Let, let, let's go back on that. Losing in five against the fifth seed Miami Heat. I'm not going to say anything about the fact that they're fifth seed. They're obviously a much better team than that. I'm just saying. The only game they won was without the superstar. Giannis got swept. I that's how I that's how I remember the series, and and that's what happened. Giannis got swept. He got swept. Give me one second while you hold your thought. I'm just gonna uh, turn the light on this. Go room. for it. I'm gonna plug our dark. I'm gonna plug our socials in the meantime. Go for it. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. All right. So for everybody listening uh, or watching, uh, you know, give us some feedback. Leave some reviews. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I highly recommend you going over to. Uh, Apple Podcasts, searching up our our uh, <laughs> Ben smiling, searching up our page, dropping a five star review. It really means the world to us. It helps us out a lot. And if you're watching on YouTube, please come over to our channel, the Session of Basketball Podcast. You can watch the podcast rather than listen to it. See our faces, see our expressions. Like, comment, subscribe. Turn on the notification bell. Whatever all that fun stuff is, and you know, show some love. And at, lastly, just come over to our IG. You know. Uh, the set at the session ball again that's the session ball on ig and you know you'll stay up to date whenever new episodes are launched whenever we have polls q a mailbag pods all that fun stuff so with that ben's back in his seat let's get back into it so so ben you were saying you know with 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 milwaukee they need to they need they to got move. swept Giannis got swept yeah. you're completely right they lost in five the bucks lost in five but Giannis got swept yeah and I don't care, like the way he was acting in his interviews, everything about that, it just made me so, oh, I kind of see him like James Harden. I kind of just see him like that. Like, oh, you're just not going to perform in the playoffs, are you? You're yeah. just not going to show up. He's, he's, it's going it's going down. It's going down bad. And and with Giannis, what is going to change my perception? My perception is going to be getting to the finals and winning or getting to the finals and losing in convincing fashion. Let's say it's this Lakers team again that comes out of the West, right? You had Miami take two games against them, right? You had Miami really push them. If if they come to the Lakers and lose in four, they performed worse than this Miami team. Like, you haven't yeah. convinced me of anything then. Like, you need to really show me. In a big way. In a big way. In a big way. So, you know, no perception change for me there. You know, it, it's <laughs> what I always believed. It's what I've always been saying. And it's getting real so hard for other rude. <laughs> So I'm so no rude. perception change for me. <laughs> you always been trash. <laughs> but you know, I, I well, guess I, I guess a couple yeah. more. Just 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 to uh, uh, be quick with it. Let me let me think. You know, we we've given we've given Luca a lot of love. We've given the Luca and yes. the Mavs a lot of love, and 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 kind of uh, you know Phoenix as well. Excited to see where those things change. Definitely change how I feel about those teams. And uh, I I guess one more from the East, just just to say consistent. Would be, um, you know, the 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 Boston Celtics, I guess, mm. the Boston Celtics, where I I am I am ashamed to admit it, but then they're a really good team. <laughs> they are a really good team. team, and I didn't think they were, and I thought they would fall apart. I thought they would lose against Toronto, and they are a really good team, and it makes me nervous to see the steps I mean, that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are taking. They were a Tyler Hero weird one-off game away from probably like or potentially taking the series. It would have been two-two. Yeah. Who knows where the series would be? But Tyler Hero just decided to 
play like it's college, drop 37 points. Come on. You know, I'm sure, but that's the thing. And you know what, Celtics fans? This is what happens. Danny Ainge got some black magic casted upon him, and now you guys are always just going to be in this level of mediocrity. I don't, I don't know what else to say. They, Tyler Hero dropped 37, and they lost the series. What yeah. more proof do I need to give you that they're cursed? The Celtics are cursed. AD's dad. You saw what he said, right? Yeah. His dad is like, oh, my son's never going to play for Boston after what they just did. <laughs> like, legit, Danny Ainge, you got cursed. You got you, cursed. I'm telling you, he got cursed. So the Celtics, while they are a great team, I don't I don't think my perception of them has changed. Oh, okay. I've always seen them to be a, a good, borderline great team, but I don't see them getting past the, you know, like, they're not going to get to the finals. I don't see them going to the finals. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I think there's always going to be a team that's slightly better than them. Or for some weird reason, freaking Jared Dudley, he's going to get traded to the East. He's going to drop 50 points, and he's going to be the reason why the Celtics lose. Something weird, an injury. Something is going to happen that causes the Celtics to not not win and and get to the finals. But but you know what's going to happen every year? The same thing Celtics fans always do. We're not worried. We're not stressed. We got a war (laughs) chest of assets. We got a war chest of assets. We're just gonna retool and be back at it to never make the finals. They're persistent. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give them that. They're persistent. Um, you know, but you know, Boston's and and Lakers fans are like, I can't wait to see the celebration. More videos of that, just because of how entitled that fan base is. Oh my goodness, I can go <laughs> on and on. But they um, deserve it. You know what? It's their time to gloat. They got to do it. Yeah, I'll give them okay. that. All right. Well, you know, we've been uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, about basketball. So why don't we kind of transition into some of our, you know, our our how would we call it our staple conversations that may end up becoming more and more part of our of our uh, podcast going forward, given that we're now in the off season. You know, this is where we thrive. We are an off season podcast. So, right. So, you know, uh, Ben, tell me what's been going on. What did you want to chat about? So I had a couple of things that I wanted to share with you. But we talked about this off the podcast for a bit. So I am aware that you haven't watched this Netflix docuseries called The Social Dilemma. I have not, right? but I've been in it. many social dilemmas before. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. That was good, eh? I didn't even script that. So anyways, I watched this maybe a few weeks ago um, with my parents. And, you know, my brother recommended it. And since then, it had... It had a very large impact on on me, definitely on my brother. He's deleted he's deleted a bunch of social media apps. Just basically, what this whole thing is about is how powerful and dangerous social media is, and how they're kind of wiring our brains in a way. And when I say they, it's very vague. I'm not going to tell you who they are, okay? So don't ask me who they are because I don't know. But they are wiring our brains in a way to kind of make us like certain things just so we're more, you know, probable of buying this item Mm -hmm. or watching this video, giving them ad revenue. It's so much more, the algorithm is so much more complex than we realize. It has outsmarted us at this point Mm -hmm. because we're not nearly as intelligent as this algorithm that we have created, but it kind of developed a mind of its own so the social dilemma is basically about that. It's the dangers and, you know, kind of the ability 
for social media to make an impact on such an impressionable generation where none of us are original anymore. We all have our thoughts, the way we think. We may think that we like a certain thing, but in a way you're kind of programmed to like that certain thing. Like, I'll give an example right now, and I tweeted about this. Everybody was talking about this new game called Among Us. I don't know if I'm supposed to like, I downloaded it because I saw it everywhere. It's like, oh, everybody else is going to be playing it. But that is exactly what social media does. Now, if you take this a step further, and this is what the docuseries also gets into, it's also things about political parties and, you know, the left and the right and you choosing a side and kind of fighting against the other side. We have never been so connected, but disconnected at the same time. And it was a profound docuseries kind of talking and highlighting all of these different things that Twitter does, Facebook, especially Instagram, Snapchat, all these different things that we have gone so accustomed to we don't even think about it anymore one of my biggest takeaways and i want to get your thoughts on this kind of verbal diarrhea that i'm giving you so far but one of my biggest takeaways from this entire thing is how in this newer generation including the generation me and you are from we no longer care about our privacy and what i mean by that is it's kind of just like I don't know if this is the case with a lot of people, but I think it is because I don't see myself as being too out of the norm, but it's kind of just like, oh, well, yeah, they all, they already have access to all our stuff anyway. We're making jokes about FBI people like watching our FaceTime calls and reading our text messages. Yeah. Hello, FBI agent. We make jokes about it. It's been normalized in our culture. Omar, in a way, it's been normalized for us to lose our privacy and not have it be ours anymore. How messed up is that? Mm-hmm. We don't even care about our privacy. It was like, yeah, they already have access to it anyway. What's the big deal if we share this? You know, TikTok, I'll just continue to use it because it's seven seconds or a minute of entertainment. And what I'm giving for that is my entire privacy. When you put it like that, it's crazy and scary. And that's what the docuseries ended up on. It said a very cool thing. It said, the question was, do you see social media changing in a way where we take control of it? And it ended off with this very simple. We have to. It's not a measure. It's not a matter of optimism. Oh, I hope we can control it again. I hope we can change. No, 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 no. It's not even about have. It's not about hope anymore. We have to change it. We have to change ourselves. Mm -hmm. It had a very cool impact. I definitely felt super woke after third eye open and all that after such a, after such a doggy series. But what are your thoughts on, on some of the things that I said in terms of losing our privacy, in terms of the dangers of social media, are we programmed? Have we lost our originality? Yeah. A very loaded question, but if anybody can answer it, I'm sure you can. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, it's, first of all, sounds interesting. Thank you for the, for the rundown. I think I'm going to end up checking it out. Watching it seems right up my alley. Uh, the, now the, the question of privacy. So this is something that I always kind of struggle with at the same time, right? You know, they already have it, that, 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 that part of me, it's like, oh, who cares? You know, they already have it. What are they going to do with it? Honestly, right? Like who cares? It's, it's, it's interesting because I don't want to undervalue 
what is provided by these by these social media platforms as well. They provide entertainment. They provide connection. They provide news. They provide uh, a sense of belonging and 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 a lot of things, right? Like there is a lot of good that comes out of it. You're able to find a group that speaks to you. You feel you don't feel alone anymore. You 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 find someone funny from halfway across the world because they posted a short clip and you're like, wow, that's crazy. Like this made it right to my page and this is right up my alley. I love these these kinds of uh, videos. So there is a lot of good that comes out of it, right? A lot. It's a platform for social advocacy and and social change and and things like that. But the cost is, I think, what's you know what docu series like these highlight, right? And it's. I guess it's up to each individual person to make that to make that decision. I think all that I can say is as long as you're informed, right? And that's what pisses me off. Often people aren't informed. They don't know what this means when they check off terms of terms and conditions or terms of services or what they agree to in, inherently by purchasing uh, Google Home or an Amazon Alexa or something like that, right? The, 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 the cost is not made clear. And if the cost was just made clear for every single person, user up front where they knew what they were what they were getting and what they were giving, they could make that value assessment for themselves, right? That's not clear. So the 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 ways these social media platforms go around and skirt the system to avoid disclosing the cost of using their platform is is one thing that doesn't sit right with me. And the other thing is the addictive nature in which they're pro- programmed and designed. They, they feed on the weaknesses of the human mind and the malleability of the human mind. And that's how they get it. Why do you think all these platforms have a swipe down feature to refresh? I don't know if it's touched on in the documentary, but it's like, you know, to mimic slot machines and, and the and the and the endorphins that are released every time you swipe down or pull down the lever on a slot machine or something like that. Right. That's why you refresh your timeline like that or your for you page or whatever. And, and, and the fact that these, their, their entire departments designed to understanding human psychology and how to prey on them and how to feed on them. That's what doesn't sit right with me. It's like, you're not given a fair chance, right? No one's given a fair chance as users. Of you this. hit the nail right in the coffin. And, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I need no, to go, say this go. because this is one of my biggest thoughts from this entire docuseries. It's the fact that there are departments, there are people, there are teams that are taking advantage of a chemical imbalance in our brains. These, this is psychological stuff now. This is, you know, the, the, human, the human mind in terms of how it treats um, addiction, yeah. you know, g- gambling, addiction, these sort of like these practices, these bad habits, they realize that we take part in it. They take advantage of it. It's exactly like a slot machine. It's exactly like a casino that's in on uh, in our fingertips. Mm-hmm. And that's the scariest part because you always have access to it. In fact, you're expected to have access to it. Yeah. You're working with such a dangerous thing here with social media and yeah. all the other things that come with it. It's, it's, it's really scary to think about because, because, you know, you're not given a fair chance. You're, you're, you're not, you're not told the cost up front and you're not armed to defend yourself against the tactics that are being used by them, right? These, these really shady tactics that are being used by them. So, so it, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's scary. And it, I do recognize that, you know, there might be some people that do that kind of work that feel that their work is rooted in good. The fact that something can learn my habits, my interests, 
and recommend me things that are related to that, right? It's like it gives me further enjoyment. It gives me a product that I really did need and I hadn't known about it, but it recommended it to me. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And the further we go along that road, the more unnecessary decisions can be made in our life uh, through the help of these platforms, right? Like I imagine a world, you know, 20 years down the line that just knows that I'm going to need to buy uh, toilet paper or something like that. Or it just knows that I'm going to need a new shirt because it, I was complaining, oh, I got a rip in my shirt and my Google Home heard me and it recommended me this product, this new shirt to buy or something like that, right? That is, part of that seems useful. But then the other side of it is like, you know, things like echo chambers that get created because it keeps feeding you more of what you want or or wasteful consumerism and mass consumerism as a result of this. And, and again, you know, the whole idea of not, of are you fairly recommending a product to me or are you recommending a product by the highest bidder who bought your, who bought your algorithm or who bought and, your service? And, and you mentioned this before, you mentioned this before when you mentioned the whole part of um, it pisses you off that people aren't informed, right? Yeah. And this is a thought that I just had as we were talking about this, but it's also like these channels, these social media channels who are you being informed from? So when you're talking about political things or political parties or, you know, things that are very complex, but you're watching this one YouTuber who's maybe recommended to you based off this YouTube algorithm. And now you're in this, in this rabbit hole of this, that, and this and that, and you're being informed, but from a, Uninform a misinformed person, that's where the danger comes in. And, and I know you meant informed in another way, like reading the actual fine print and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I'm just saying on the topic of being informed, yeah, you can be too informed in something that's in that's incorrect. Yeah. And now look at the dangers, the repercussions of something like that. Fact that is also what's terrifying. Fact checking and selective fact fact checking is is you know it's it's in creation of those echo chambers where why are you giggling you said fat checking so just, <laughs> <laughs> and here we are having this series of <laughs> i'm sorry i had to say it man i had to say it go on, go on. sorry about that yeah looks good <laughs> um it, it's 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 and like the echo chambers that are created where people just feed off that feedback loop um, and go deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole. I mean, it's like a, it's a big issue and it's, I don't know, not to get all conspiracy theory and, 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 and that there, but you know, if you can, an algorithm is something that's created by a human being and human beings have biases and human beings are pushed in one direction or the other, right? This is not like this, this entity that's natural to earth, right? Like, oh, here's a, here's a dog, here's a rhino, here's an elephant or whatever, right? That has natural habits and natural tendencies or anything like that, or something about nature. An algorithm is man-made, it's synthetic. And the fact that if your CEO of your corporation has certain political beliefs or they're getting certain mm -hmm. tax breaks or they're, they're uh, you know, in cahoots with something else and you can guide this channel in that direction, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it, it doesn't look so fair anymore. This algorithm, we got to remember, is a patented piece of, of uh, it's a patented asset. It's an intangible asset that's owned by a corporation, a corporation that is headed by people 
by by people that have the same flaws that we have that are susceptible to to greed and to corruption and to and to swinging one way or the other on on a political spectrum so it, dude it's too much trust that's sometimes placed in yeah. these like we think of it's like oh you know the algorithm would never lie to me but the algorithm doesn't care about you it cares about the people that make money off it and you know even a website like reddit yeah you know i'll be the first to say that i've been swayed so many times um from reddit comments you know or like you you go in the comment section and like oh this is the most upvoted this has to be right but this is what i mean by echo chamber now all of a sudden everybody's trying to think that way and if you disagree you're downvoted nobody sees it because you disagreed Mm-hmm. It becomes a sort of cult in a way where you need to act this way. You you need to be programmed to be this way. And that's what I mean by us losing our originality. In a way, it's like you get this false sense of belonging. Yeah. Are you getting a sense of belonging? Yes. But is it truly you? Well, you need to truly reflect and be honest with yourself and actually say, you know what? No, this is my opinion. I'm not being told to like this thing. I'm not being told to get into this. I want to do it because I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to get harder and harder unless we take control of social media and make social media a tool and not a way to control our emotions. We need to use it for what it is. Yeah. Steps that my brother has taken, which I found pretty interesting, was he deleted a bunch of apps. He's like, I don't use Twitter. Mm-hmm. Let me just delete that. I don't use, you know, Snapchat. Let me just delete that. What's the point of having it? And what he does now is he actually turns off notifications. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make it so he controls the tool and the tool is not controlling him. Yeah. And it's just, we've got to take control. We've got to take control of it. We cannot let it control us. It's true. It's... um as we progress as a society and technology advances and we get closer and closer to, you know, to, to robots that, that, that have, you know, uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence and, and things like that. These will be the same companies that are involved in that, right? These will be the same algorithms that are applied. hundred percent. And, and all of those scary uh, dystopian future movies about robots and, and taking over and, and all those things like, we're trending in that direction, you know, not to Doesn't be seem that crazy or, now, does yeah, it? Not, yeah, exactly. Not to be alarmist or anything like that, but that's kind of the, the direction that we're going. This is how it starts, right? It starts with something as simple as this. And if we make concessions here, then it becomes something else. And if we make concessions there, it becomes something else. And before we know it, we're, you don't really recognize the world that you're living in anymore. Right. And, and oh, some people man. may feel that way already. Some people yeah. may feel that way already. Homer, man. As a great man once said, we live in a society. We live in a society. <laughs> you know, sometimes- this is why I love this podcast. We we can have the serious conversations just talking about robots taking over us, losing our originality, false sense of belonging. But you know what? Gotta throw in that little, you know what? That's a shout out to Ace. I feel like Ace would say something yeah. like that. In a very serious conversation like this, I think he would just say, we live in a society. Yeah. You know, some, sometimes it just be like that, eh? It just be, like, <laughs> you know, social media companies just like you know taking over, like algorithms privacy, controlling your mind, privacy. Algorithms just damn, robots. man, it really be like that. It just yeah, damn. it's true. It be like that. All right.
Well, I definitely, I definitely hope you take, uh, you know, you get a chance to watch the series because beyond all the jokes and all that, it really changed the way that I think. And it made me change slightly. I'm not going to say that it completely changed. Oh, I don't look at my phone anymore. Of course. But now I feel like I'm more informed of the situation and of the reality of the situation. And I think that's important. And that's an interest, you know, that's an invitation for everybody. Check out the social dilemma. Maybe this right now, what I'm doing is the algorithm. Maybe I am the algorithm. I am giving you, I'm telling you to watch this, this, this documentary on Netflix that you have to pay $14.99 per month now. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm the person doing it. Who knows? I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I am the channel. Yo, but it's still a great documentary. Uh, yeah, so. honestly, all these algorithms and, and, and social media platforms, they're... Uh, they're 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 the evil in this situation. But now that that said, guys, come check us out on Instagram <laughs> uh, at the session ball. Uh, follow us there. Uh, if you deactivated your IG, we live in a society. If you deactivated your IG account because you watched this document series, uh, please reactivate it and follow us there. Um, <laughs> you know what, Omar? I think that's a good way to wrap up. Yeah, why not? Huh? Why not?